With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports writer and columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Of course, if you'd like to follow Talking Tide on Twitter, just hit our handle. That's Talking underscore Tide. Get links to all the podcasts there. And of course, you can catch us live on Facebook or YouTube and as well get it on any podcasting platform you prefer, including Apple Podcasts. I want to thank our sponsors really quickly, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and DraftKings. Tell you a little bit more about them later on in the program. Travis, uh, a lot to get to here on this uh, mid-December edition of Talking Tide, starting, of course, with Alabama knocking off Houston in men's basketball on the road. Final score, 71-65. Alabama improves to 8-1. and And if I read uh, this note correctly, Travis, Alabama is the first team to beat two number ones before New Year's Eve since the 65 Duke Blue – your 65 Duke Blue Devils, if I saw that correctly. Coach Kalis, uh Duke at that time. Yep. 1965. That's a hell of a stat, man. Hell of an accomplishment uh, for this basketball team to beat North Carolina a couple of Sundays ago and the third place game out at the Phil Knight Invitational. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, go into Houston in a pit-like environment and take the big punch that they took really throughout the game, almost literally, you could say, with the way this game was played and to walk out of there and close out that Houston team the way it did, that's as impressive as it gets. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Noah Clowney uh, ends up with 16 and 12, Alabama's best performer in the game, uh, for my money anyway. Jaden Bradley, the freshman, a big game as well, 12 points, four assists, zero turnovers. And as long as we're talking about kind of some themes throughout the game, Travis, one Certainly, Alabama had a terrible time with turnovers in the first half, but really cleaned that up. They only had three the whole second half. Uh, so uh, a pretty good turnaround there in the turnover department that, that easily could have doomed them, nearly did, really. Uh, and then, uh, But on the other hand, they did so much better rebounding the basketball than they did against Houston last year. They ended up with a pretty mild rebounding edge of 44 to 39. They dominated – Houston on the boards in the first half and Houston got back after him uh, rebounding the ball in the second half and kind of even things up a little bit. Uh, but those were some kind of trends in the game that I saw. Yeah, they were minus nine in rebound margin in the win over Houston a year ago in Tuscaloosa. In fact, they had 34 rebounds. Half of that total came from two guards, Shackelford and I think it was Quinterly in that game. They had 17 rebounds between them at the guard positions and Boy, having Clowney this time around and, um, you know, and getting it from other guys as well. But uh, you you talk about these freshmen, 
the four freshmen, especially in the second half. And, you know, the way Nate was able to go small and it seemed to open up a lot of things offensively, you know, Jaden Bradley for a freshman against that type of defensive pressure in that environment. Mm -hmm. uh, he looked like he was there for it. You said it, no turnovers. Uh, and he had a plan for it. You know, when you go against a defense like Houston's, which is going to try to smother you, especially off the ball screens, you're not going to have five or six dribbles. You know, they love you to try to play ISO ball against them. Mm -hmm. um, but Jaden Bradley, when he would come off screens or he would take a dribble or two, he had the next play already in his mind. He was already yeah. identifying the open shooter, the open player, getting the basketball where it needed to go, and also getting into the paint, man. So I'm with you. Noah Clowney was very, very impressive. I had Jaden Bradley right there with him. But if you're into plus minus, which is essentially a stat that measures the team's success or lack of success from a point perspective while you're in the game, Jaden Bradley was plus 17. Rylan Griffin, another freshman, was plus 17. Uh, Noah Clowney was plus five. And Brandon Miller you know, the one and done of the group who was clutched down the stretch from the free throw line, he was minus three. So yeah. the other three actually were on the positive side of plus minus and uh, Brandon was on the minus, but um, just good stuff, especially there in the second half and kudos to Nate for making some adjustments and getting that group on the floor together. So. Yeah, definitely want to touch on Miller uh, before that though. I want to, uh, zip back to some of your comments on the way Houston likes to play defense and what they invite on defense. The turnover factor we talked about getting cleaned up in the second half. You look, you got to look at Javon Quinterly, Travis. Rough game, rough first half, 13 minutes, four turnovers. Really didn't play in the second half. It was Bradley Show along with Sears in that second half. And, you know, Quinterly, four turnovers is an awful lot for 13 minutes. And Quinterly's that one-on-one -on -one guy that wants to that wants to go ISO with you here and there. So um, definitely a connection there. Yeah, Brandon Miller had some of those struggles too, right? Uh, he wanted uh, – you understand, he wants to help his team, and he is mm -hmm. their top-scoring threat. Uh, but that's a tough defense to go one-on-two or three. And uh, Houston, they demand that you put the ball on the floor. They demand that you dribble the basketball because they're not going to give you open looks from three. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, if you take more than two or three dribbles, that's what they want you to do too, uh, because they've always got help coming. It seems like they're just really good defensively. We knew that going in and, you know, and, and the game was played in a way that it was, I thought fairly officiated and, you know, you figured Alabama had to get to the, uh, had to get to the free throw line against that kind of defense. And they did it, Chase. 32 trips, didn't shoot it particularly well from the line in the first half, but uh, second half was better. Yeah, maybe the most curious, remarkable, uh, eye-opening thing that can be said about these two wins collectively over number ones, North Carolina and Houston, Travis, is that they were able to accomplish that with their leading scorer, shooting four for 29 from the field combined in those games, a four for 21 and an 0 for eight. Yeah. Um, it says a lot about the depth, really, that Nate Oates has, put, has brought in and what he can get out of so many other different guys against a quality opponent. Like you said, though, Miller pulled himself uh, pulled himself up by the bootstraps at the free throw line for sure. He, was, he scored Alabama's last six points at the line and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of iced it 
what you like to see from a freshman who struggled and, and maybe a different freshman doesn't have his head in the game enough to do that down the stretch. Yeah, and look, there were some performances too that you look at the stat line and it doesn't really tell the whole story. I thought a guy like Namari Burnett defensively, uh, along with some others, did a nice job against Sasser. Um, you knew Sasser was going to look for his and try to get his. So kind of offset each other with Miller taking the donut from the field and that uh, Marcus Sasser for Houston goes two of 11 from the mm. field, 0 of three from three. He makes five free throws. Um, but as far as the star power is concerned, the, the two marquee guys sort of uh, negated one another, washed each other out. But uh, Alabama certainly had more than enough from a supporting cast perspective to get the job done. You look at bench scoring um, and with what Alabama was able to do there, I think it was 27 to 10 Alabama's bench, which you're kind of getting used to that at this point. I think I, I'm, I'm start, it's starting to look to me like NATO sees Namari Burnett as a guy uh, who can be his defensive stopper off the bench. If you're bleeding, uh, uh, defensively early in the game, you can pop Burnett in there and he can give you some minutes against the other team's best guard. And with it, with his length and, and the way he, the way he plays defense, kind of eat that guy up a little bit. We, he played a lot against Sasser, go back to the Liberty game. Uh, Oates did pretty much the same thing he did with Sasser. He did with that Liberty guard who, who was averaging a ton of points, ate that guy up. Um, that, that, to me, that's kind of what's developing for Burnett role wise. Yeah. He can guard a couple of different positions. Um, but if you ask him to take on like a two, three type, uh, two guard, small forward type, mm -hmm. uh, with his size and his physicality, you know, he's still coming back from an injury too. I think he's back. Don't, I don't think he's, you know, still struggling with that, but there's still some, uh, some, some you know, some things to, to clear there. And uh, he's doing a good job. He really is. And, uh, again, the collective effort, man. Um, you know, look, look at uh, Gurley's stat line. It doesn't look like much, but I thought he was big in the game with six rebounds. They uh, To get the 44 rebounds, it, it took more than Noah Clowney hitting double digits. They got mm -hmm. solid production from Jaden Bradley at the point guard position with five rebounds. Uh, you know, Brandon Miller didn't have a great offensive game, no doubt about that, but he did have five boards. It wasn't like he just sulked and didn't you know, try to help out in other ways. So mm -hmm. um, they're all in. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for me for this game. More so than anything we can look at from the, the box score or watching the game uh, in terms of statistical production, intangibly, man, this team showed you they've got a chin. And I know it's just December. We saw some of these type of wins a year ago, and it didn't translate right. to conference play. But I'm seeing more from this team that tells me it will this time around. It's a different team. It's, yeah. a, it's a different team in so many different ways. Bradley, Nate Oates mentioned in the postgame news conference after the Houston game that, that Bradley's uh, deep shot is still a work in progress. And that makes sense when you watch a play because he likes to get – most of his shots off around the rim, Travis. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's a pretty thick guy, you know, he's built well and uh, he's got a whole lot of, a whole lot of quickness. He can handle the ball. Uh, he can defend. I mean, it, it, it looks to me like maybe if the three is a little inconsistent, that might be the last frontier for him. Then he'd have pretty much have it all. Right. Yeah. And, the, but the thing is, 
for now, they've got enough guys that can shoot the three. So if he can keep getting a couple of feet in the paint and mm. pitch it out, he's and his identification skill is so innate, and then his ability to deliver uh, on those passes. Yeah, I mean, he keeps teeing these guys up for open looks, and I know it's sort of retro and you know isn't befitting of today's lead guard, um, but he can still facilitate. Uh, scoring on his own, but it's it's what he does to kind of settle things. That they didn't need a, a lot of one on one play at the point guard position on on, on uh, Saturday. In right. Houston. They needed somebody that could identify open people and get them the basketball and keep it moving. Up next for Alabama, Travis, of course, they're catching a home game against the Memphis Tigers. Lost to Memphis on the road last year. Memphis comes back. This year, uh, that'll certainly be an, an interesting game, a challenge again. And then following that, uh, Gonzaga, uh, which is another team they played and beat last year. That game, though, is in – they played that game in the Northwest last year. I forget what town, but they, they're playing it in Birmingham this time around. That was in Seattle last yeah. year. Yeah, and, you know, Memphis, another one of these teams. Like Alabama hit the portal to bring in guys like Mark Sears and Dom Welch. Well – Memphis has got a real one in Kendrick Davis, the SMU transfer. He's the reigning AAC player of the year, and he went for 27 in a win over Auburn on Saturday. So <laughs> this guy can really go. And, you know, they've got some other guys that have washed out or moved on from that program that were problematic for Alabama in that matchup in Memphis a year ago. But DeAndre Williams is back. He's another old guy, just like – um, Davis is, and you're talking fifth year guys. So uh, that's where your maturity gets challenged once again on Tuesday night, not just in terms of, you know, what you're going to go against as far as opposition and personnel is concerned, but also it's a pretty quick turnaround, man, from Saturday to Tuesday. And uh, Memphis ain't going back up either. They pretty much pushed Alabama around up at FedEx Forum last year. And right. it's a different team. You said it earlier, but. Uh, I got a feeling they're they're at least going to try to uh, on Tuesday night. Going to be interesting to watch. I think I'm going to be headed to that uh, Gonzaga game myself over in Birmingham. Looking forward to uh, to seeing that one for sure. All right, the Talking Tide podcast moving on. We're going to uh, thank a couple of sponsors of the show really quickly. Then we're going to get to a little bit of football news for you. I'm going to start out by telling you all about DraftKings. You got to get that DraftKings sportsbook app downloaded now use the promo code tppn and get 200 in free bets if your team wins just place a five dollar bet on any football game only at the DraftKings sportsbook using promo code tppn that's the pigskin podcast network acronym that'll help us out here at talking tide and of course don't forget uh you can also winning DraftKings stepped up same game parlays it is DraftKings. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. We are on the countdown to Christmas 2023. You still have time to swing by Peterbrook Chocolatier, pick up that outstanding chocolate-covered popcorn, the perfect stocking stuffers, those roll-tide treats. Everything at Peterbrook Chocolatier this time of year is going to fit your Christmas list to AT. It is Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa.
All right, the Talking Tide podcast moving on a little bit of football news. Travis, uh, Alabama putting seven in the senior bowl, big senior bowl number for the Crimson Tide this year. Those announced uh, pretty much one after another every day this past week. Emil Ekior, DeMarco Helms, Cameron Latou, Byron Young, uh, Will Riker, the kicker, DJ Dale, and Tyler Steen, the left tackle. Steen had a pretty good year for Alabama. Uh, on the whole, coming uh, from Vanderbilt at that left tackle spot. He'll have a good chance uh, to show some scouts some things down there, Travis. Yeah, I thought he probably accomplished pretty much what he set out to do. Uh, and you got to remember, this is a guy who didn't have spring practice at Alabama, so he comes in in the summer and jumps in there at left tackle. Thought he was really good early, maybe had a little bit of a dip midseason, but then seemed to turn it back on there. Uh, towards the finish and he was what Alabama needed for the most part you know they needed a guy to go along with J.C. Latham Uh, he gave them that I'm happy for all these guys it's a great opportunity Um, there's certainly areas where you got value uh, with guys like Byron Young and D.J. Dale on the defensive line and then some other areas that you overlook where you know I'm not sure if Will Reichard is a draftable prospect as a kicker uh, but I can tell you from the Alabama perspective, you're going to miss that guy. And I know oh, yeah. Alabama has a really good kicker coming in and uh, Connor Talty from the Chicago area. But uh, that's a big one with uh, Will Reichard uh, apparently going to forego that extra year he had to go ahead and take his shot at professional football. What do you think Cameron Latou does in the NFL, Travis? He, he's maybe not the – you know, he's, what, 245 pounds or thereabouts – uh, mm-hmm. that's actually not the biggest guy in the world for some of these NFL tight ends anymore. It used to be plenty big enough, but the receiving skills, I think are going to give him a look for sure. Yeah, they're going to give him a look. I think he's a, a number two tight end probably, um, uh, in the national football league, assuming he sticks. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think there are some things you can do with him, but he's not an Evan Ingram either, you know, mm-hmm. where he's almost a hybrid and you can flex him out and really count on him to win some matchups against safeties uh, in the National Football League. So uh, it'll be interesting with him. It was also scoop up all the awards week for Will Anderson, Travis. He might as well have just reached his hand out of the plane with a butterfly <laughs> net and just uh, scooped him up from town to town and not even land the plane. Just just, just bring it right back on back. The Nagurski Award, he wins. Uh, the Bednarik Award, he wins. He's named, uh, I believe, an SEC Player of the Year. It was just it was one after another. Yeah, and good for him. And to cap it with getting his degree, right? I mean, that's a yeah, that's a great week for a three and out. You know, this is a guy that wasn't in, in Tuscaloosa all that long. But you talk about checking boxes: won a national championship, won an SEC championship, uh, national defensive player of the year. All American got his degree. Yeah, that's a that's a sweet run for Will. I, I didn't I hadn't I didn't see it before we came on the air. I think he was up for the lot award tonight as well. I don't know if that just got announced or what, but uh, at any rate, certainly uh, a crazy week for Will Anderson. Also, Travis, uh, something we have not touched on since our last podcast: Charles Kelly uh, reportedly moving on to uh, Colorado. Deion Sanders with the first uh, theft, if you will, from, from a Nick Saban staff, I would imagine that'll uh, be a fun time. You'd like to be a fly on the wall when they're getting powdered up with makeup for that Aflac ad just to see if Charles Kelly comes up, right? 
Yeah, Charles Kelly probably as much as anything has done a really nice job as a recruiter. Um, yes, you are recruiting with Nick Saban at Alabama. So, but Charles Kelly's reputation as a recruiter has been really good for years. So I like that if if that's going to be official from uh, Dion and CU, I like that for Colorado from a, a, a perspective of recruiting as much as anything else, because uh, he certainly is recruited with a dynamic head coach in Nick Saban. And I don't know how much more dynamic you can get than with prime uh, here in the future. He got two four stars in one day the other day. So it's, uh, it's already happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bruce it's headed to it, Boulder. It, synergy. I like to call it <laughs> synergy. I kind of like it, Travis. I enjoyed those, those, uh, those years in the nineties when the buffs were, uh, as, as, uh, relevant as they've probably ever been. Yeah. They didn't always have the greatest human beings, you know, <laughs> on their rosters in that old big eight. Uh, but yeah, they had, you know, uh, some, some great teams, Darian Hagan, Eric Bieniemy, Yeah. Cordell, uh, Michael Westbrook, I believe at wide receiver. Yep. yep. Yeah. You're, you're out of the gate. I, I, I've, I've, uh, Trying to think of a couple others, but yeah, there's no doubt. That's some really good teams out there, man. All right. Uh, lastly, Travis, uh, some unfortunate news. Mike Leach hospitalized Mississippi State head coach, of course. Uh, and there is a word here as we record on a Sunday night that things are uh, looking dire, frankly. Ross Dellinger of SI, certainly a very credible reporter. And I think a couple of others, Travis, reporting that uh, – the situation is critical. You absolutely hate to hear that uh, for Mike Leach and the school uh, has, and I, and this kind of, this happened right away before the news, you know, that this is serious. They announced Zach Arnett is, was going to just kind of take things over uh, when they, when the, when the school announced Leach was just headed to the hospital, which struck me as a move that you don't do if you just, if the coach is just going in there for tests or something. Right. Yeah, and apparently Leach was at practice on Saturday, and uh, and then th- th- this happened here in the last 24 hours. Just unbelievable. I mean, to hear how this has sort of um, progressed or regressed or however is the best way to describe the situation. You just – because the way you think of Mike Leach is, you know, just the perso- personality and – uh, lightheartedness and life of the party and the quote everybody wants and to to go from that to to what we're hearing on this Sunday night it's just it's totally unfathomable and uh, you just send out the very best you can to his family and the uh, Mississippi State community and in the coaching community as a whole. Yeah, stress always seems to be a topic when something like this happens with a college football coach, especially one you know, at the level where the pressures are so high. But I, but as you kind of intimated, nobody personifies uh, being able to handle stress better than Mike Leach as yeah. a college football coach, uh, at least in the way that he projects himself. Now, maybe that doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't have a lot of stress on him, but he's outwardly, uh, he, he's affable is the best word to describe it. Yeah, and it's a long season, man. And you don't know. We we talk so much about injuries and and availability involving players, but these coaches put themselves through an absolute hell 
with the work yeah. weeks throughout a season. And, you know, sometimes there's illnesses that are just kind of, eh, not going to mess with it, not going to worry with it, got to get this plan ready for the Egg Bowl. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. And and these aren't young people for the most part. Now, there's young coaches, don't get me wrong. Mike Leach, I think, is early 60s. 61. And so, yeah, so – the, the, the small things can become big things very quickly once you get to a an advanced age um, into your mid-50s and beyond. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Certainly thoughts and prayers out there for Mike Leach. Uh, for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Uh, you can catch up uh, with us again, I guess, next Sunday night, Travis. Maybe we'll come back and recap that Alabama-Gonzaga game. Huh? I have a couple. You know, I have Memphis and then uh, Gonzaga. And so, yeah, we'll have plenty. Sounded like a lot of fun. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.